once upon a time, or a rabbi, a priest, and a Baptist pastor walk into a bar, uh, those are some ways to get a crowd's attention, right? If you're going to tell a story, uh, or if you're going to communicate uh, via a story, it's good to use some kind of an intro like that. There's something about the once upon a time that tends to get our attention uh, from the age of infancy or whenever we begin to hear stories, we are uh, trained to stop and pay attention. And really, we don't even have to be trained because we are shaped for stories, aren't we? I mean, look at the world around us. Everything is a story, whether it's a TV sitcom or whether it's a movie whether it's a joke, a good clean joke that somebody is telling you, uh, we want to listen. We we are drawn into stories and we're able to use our imagination and we're able to learn. In fact, one of the greatest ways for us to learn is through a story. Jesus understood this. Jesus could tell a story like none other. And we call most of his stories parables. Parables. And if you were in Sunday school this morning, you might have looked at uh, parables or you might have talked about it. But a parable, according to this dictionary, is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson, as told by Jesus in the Gospels. And it really, the whole idea or the meaning of it is to walk uh, along and to teach and to share, to cast out a truth as you spin a yarn or tell a story. And Jesus could do this. He really was able to draw people in. And as we have heard today, there are a whole bunch of parables. And in Matthew's collection of them, in this 13th chapter, Jesus just tells one after another. And as we hear them, we don't always understand them. We are much like the people who heard them that day. They think, okay, now that's, that's an interesting one. I kind of understand what he's talking about, but, but then maybe I don't. And so some people walk away just bewildered. Jesus would say, they don't have ears to hear. Then there would be others who would hear it, much like we heard in the parable of the soils. Some people receive it, and they take it in with great joy, and it grows, and it produces a harvest, and it makes a big difference in their lives. But as we hear these parables today, we hear that Jesus is describing what the kingdom, as Matthew says, the kingdom of heaven is like. Now we could use kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven interchangeably. Matthew has a purpose in referring to it as heaven. And he, he brings this in, this meaning of heaven in. And we'll look at more of that in, in just a little while. But he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. I mean, look at each one of those parables. I hope you left your your Bible open or your finger right there in Matthew's uh, 13th chapter. Because I want you to go back and look at these. Uh, There's so much more that's here. We don't get the whole chapter. Uh, But I hope that you will not take one of those Bibles home. But I hope that you will go home and open your Bible at home. And if you don't have a Bible at home, let, let me know. Let one of us know, and, and we'll do our best to, uh, to get one for you. But if you look in Matthew 13, you will see these parables that were just read by Troy. 
and they're about a lot of different things, things that were very common, things that were very ordinary around them. And there are descriptions of the kingdom of heaven that relate to each one of those. And if we are going to understand what the kingdom, especially as Americans, we don't know much about kingdoms. And what we do know about them, we don't like. Uh, That's part of our history. We have thrown off kings and, and kingdoms and the whole idea of royalty, that we are a government of the people, or we're supposed to be of the people and for the people. And the first thing that Jesus describes about this kingdom of heaven is that it's small. It is seemingly small, right? He talks about the mustard seed. By the way, Betty Jane, is this a mustard? It looks very much like a mustard plant, a shrimp plant. I always wondered where shrimp came from. Uh, It's beautiful, but it looks a lot like a mustard uh, plant. And he mentions, Jesus mentions, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It is so tiny that someone took and he sowed it in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. And the people are going, yeah, that's right. But when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs. And it becomes a tree. And so if you think about uh, the kind of terrain that was surrounding Jesus as he was talking about all of this. Uh, It's very rocky. It's it's very desert-like. It's not a place where there are these big, huge pine trees growing up. You might have a cedar here and there that would grow up and you would see those from a distance. But there wasn't a lot of shade. And if you've ever been west of like Dallas or Canton, you start to to get into those areas where you can see for miles and miles. And uh, it's kind of scary. But there are some trees that grow up in West Texas, and they're called mesquite. Uh, They're really just bushes. But that's about as tall, uh, unless a bird comes and drops a seed somewhere, there might be a random tree that grows up, but just not a whole lot of trees. And that's the way it was around Jesus as he's talking about this. But every once in a while, there would be one of these mustard seeds that would grow up and it would take off and it would become large enough to where you could get under it for maybe a little bit of shade and birds could land in that tree and be able to nest and find their homes. But it's small, seemingly small. But then he talks about leaven or yeast. And uh, he said that the kingdom of heaven is like this leaven, uh, Kingdom of heaven is like leaven. I didn't ever think about that. That rhymes. But you can see that. And if you've made bread, uh, you know that you you add yeast to that bread. And what does it do? It makes it grow. And it's really tiny. And it's such a small little element that is a part of that loaf of bread. But it is powerful. So it is small, but it is seemingly small. As we think about the kingdom of heaven, sometimes it seems rather small. Sometimes it seems like it's really not doing anything in and amidst all of the kingdoms that are around us today. It seems like it gets smaller and smaller, that the influence of Jesus and the church is getting smaller and smaller, but that is not the case. Small things matter, don't they? 
I uh, read a story about, and maybe this is in a book called The Red Paperclip. Is anybody familiar with it? I want to read to you uh, part of this. Uh, It talks about Kyle McDonald. And he came up with an improbable plan. Uh, Starting with one red paperclip, he would trade this paperclip on the Internet uh, to be able, he wanted ultimately to buy a house. So you really can't go to a bank and say, I have one red paperclip and I'm going to buy a house. I mean, they will literally throw you out of there. Uh, But he would trade this red paperclip on the Internet until he he exchanged it for a house. First, he traded the red paperclip for a fish-shaped pen. Bill, you're the only guy I know who would want a fish-shaped pen. Next, he traded the pen for a doorknob. He traded the doorknob for a Coleman stove. He traded the Coleman stove for an electric generator. He traded the electric generator for a Budweiser sign and a keg of beer. Smart guy, right? Which he then traded for a snowmobile. Somebody wanted that keg of beer so much they were willing to trade their snowmobile. Exactly one year and 14 trades later, McDonald finally reached his goal. He exchanged a part in a Hollywood movie for a home in Saskatchewan, Canada. And this is a true story about Kyle McDonald. And uh, if you want to look it up, it's in one red paperclip is the book. And the book is being made into a movie. So the idea is that fame, fortune, a book, a movie deal, and a home, it all began with one small little red paperclip. So we should never underestimate small things, should we? That if you take something small, it can become something so much larger. And as you begin to grow that one little something, all of a sudden you can have a kingdom of things that were seemingly small. There is nothing at all wrong with something small, right? There's nothing wrong with a small church. There's nothing wrong with a small Bible study class. There's nothing wrong with a, uh, a small uh, community. There is nothing at all wrong with a small or seemingly small gift that God gives you. There's nothing wrong with a small offering, although you can always give big ones. There is nothing at all wrong with being small. Because powerful things come out of things that are small. And if we underestimate them, then we miss the kingdom of God. In fact, that's what was going on with all these people around Jesus. They were looking for something grandiose. They were looking for someone other than how Jesus looked. I mean, here is this homeless guy who goes around and heals people and does things that look like magic to everybody else. And they think nothing good can come out of a small town like Nazareth. Nothing good can come out of a small person who is insignificant in this world, born in poverty and just a carpenter. Nothing. And yet Jesus showed them a very different world, a world that God had created. But the kingdom of heaven is also subversive. And that is what 
is going on here in this particular text. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and he sowed in his field. It is the smallest, but when it is grown, it is the greatest. It is a junk tree, a trash tree. I have one of these growing uh, right off the back of my house, and I am too lazy or maybe too curious to go and to cut it down. It started out as just a little bitty, little weed-looking plant that was growing up uh, in the back flower bed. And uh, I looked at it the other day, and it's almost as tall as the house. And I have no idea what kind of tree it is. It's just a trash tree. And that's what Jesus is saying that this, uh, he's talking about a, a trash tree. And he's being very subversive, and he's talking about a gospel that is very subversive in the world. It is something that is going against the norm. It is countercultural. It is radical. It is hard to ever be, be able to predict. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a trash tree that just grows up in the middle of places you never thought it would show up. It's able to, to thrive and to grow in ways that uh, just don't even seem probable. But he also talks about it being subversive in terms of it being uh, like a treasure. So this guy, he, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. <clears throat> this was not the guy's field, by the way. He later goes and buys it, right? But he, what's he doing in the field to begin with? And where did he get this treasure? So this is something that is, is very different. It's very unusual. This guy is doing something rather subversive. And Jesus is wanting them to understand that the kingdom of heaven is not going to look like they thought it was going to look. And he was having a lot of fun with this. He was turning things upside down, saying, you think God wants to do this in the world, but you've missed it because you've become just like the world. And God says, this is how I want the world to be. And Jesus points to it and says, it's a radically different view than what you have. I love this quote by Oscar uh, Romero. Uh, and I think we watched a video of him one time as he, uh, this was a movie about him in El Salvador as he is, is um, giving the mass there in church and he's murdered. He stands up against the corrupt groups that are around him and he, he speaks truth to the, uh, the wicked power that is all around him and wanting to stamp out the uh, good news of what he is preaching to the poor. He says, a church that doesn't provoke any crises, a gospel that doesn't unsettle, a word of God that doesn't get under anyone's skin, a word of God that doesn't touch the real sin of the society in which it is being proclaimed. What gospel is that? That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That's a little different than our nice Sunday morning uh, say hello to everybody and uh, have a, a good time at church and then go back to doing whatever it is that you do during the week. That's not the idea of the gospel that Jesus had in mind. It's not what he was talking about. Jesus certainly provoked crises, didn't he? 
Oh, sure. All kinds of crises. Jesus certainly unsettled people to the point where they were willing and did kill him. Uh, A word of God that doesn't get under anyone's skin. Jesus got under a lot of people's skin. And you think about John the Baptist doing this as well. Uh, This was a part of what God was doing in the world. Uh, And a gospel that doesn't touch the real sin of society, Jesus kept pointing it out. Here is the sin of society. And he talked about the oppression of the poor. And he talked about uh, the lack of forgiveness for other people, and the lack of compassion and mercy for hiding their light and not shining it out to the world. Jesus would continue talking about these things. And as we hear those words today, we recognize that we are to represent a kingdom of heaven that is subversive. How is it to be subversive? What, what kind of world do we live in today? We are so overwhelmed. And if you're not overwhelmed, you are hiding your head in the sand somewhere. Think about the things that are going on in our world today. We have uh, a, uh, a man in North Korea, Kim Jong-un, who is sending these rockets <clears throat> almost, it seems like, on a weekly basis. The last one he sent this past week, if you change the trajectory of it, change the mathematics of of that uh, one rocket, it would go the distance of being able to hit Denver. Okay? He is getting closer and closer and closer. That's kind of frightening, isn't it? Especially if you live in Denver. It's a dangerous world. If you think about the things that happened with health care in this past week and, and the conversations that we have about who should have affordable health care, who should have access to health care, and some of the plans that were being talked about were going to uh, really favor the, the 1% of our society and the people who were poor and could not afford insurance like uh, estimated at 350 to 400,000 people in Louisiana. Uh, if they didn't have Medicaid, they would not have health care. They would not have uh, the ability to, uh, to get the kind of care that they need. And you just can look at all the different circumstances, the little children, uh, the senior adults, and everybody in between. And so we are at that place where we are very different in our view about how the kingdom ought to look. In our world. And the church is divided about that as well. If you think about what happened this past week with the uh, LGBT community and the transgender people, I think it's estimated 12 to 14,000 transgender uh, soldiers serving in the military all of a sudden find out, not from any of their superiors, but they find out from, well, I guess from the commander in chief that uh, they can no longer, there cannot be transgender in the military. So what do they do? And you think about all of these things that go on in our society. You think about crime right here in our neighborhood. Um, you think about, uh, well, maybe you haven't heard about it. A five-year-old in Bossier City shot and killed last night. Uh, one of the uh, uh, families that comes here on Thursday nights and someone that Miss Lovelace knows uh, right up here on Egan last Saturday night was shot. And she's, she's still alive, thankfully. 
But we have crime all around us. What are we doing about it? What's the church doing about it? But we are called to bring the kingdom of heaven into this world. As impossible and improbable as that sounds, the kingdom of heaven is to break through all of that and to be so pervasive that we are making the world better. What does that look like for us? Well, the kingdom of heaven is also worth it all. Jesus talks about the uh, kingdom being, uh, I think we have the next verse right up here. Uh, the, the kingdom of heaven uh, is like this treasure. When the guy goes back to dig it up, in his joy he goes, he sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Whatever he has, he liquidates everything because he, he wants to go and buy that field where the treasure is. And so he goes all out, everything that he has. And there is this joy that is there. Jesus also says that the kingdom is uh, like this one who is going to this merchant. And merchants were not uh, looked upon as being all that uh, uh, great in terms of reputation. Uh, probably most of the people Jesus is talking to had all been swindled by a merchant. And uh, this merchant, Jesus describes, who is subversive, he is uh, going and he finds this pearl of great value. He goes and he sells all that he has and buys it. So again, he, he is another one who liquidates everything in order to get that one pearl. It's worth it all, Jesus says. It is completely worth it. He also talks about the net and the throwing out of the net and all the work that, that goes into that and how that is worth it. And as we hear these stories, we need to understand that there is a cost in being involved in God's work in this world, but that it is totally worth it. And the problem, I think, is that we don't see the value we, we think maybe it's, it's a great idea that Jesus had. It's something that um, could work, I guess, if, if we all got on the same page and began working on that. But we just don't think that it's worth us doing everything that we can to do it. And I think that is part of our problem in our world today. That we as a people of faith are not living out our faith. That the gospel has become just this convenient kind of thing that we pay attention to uh, at best, uh, you know, maybe once a month or all of you come every Sunday, I know. But we, we don't seem to pay attention to how is it that we take this and implement it into the world. There was a guy who came and did uh, an invitation uh, at one of our Thursday night dinners recently. And we kind of frown on that because it's an ecumenical thing and we all, all the different groups between Catholic and Baptist and uh, sometimes we have Mormons and uh, Unitarian. We have a little bit of everybody coming to serve. But this guy gave a, uh, one of those uh, invitations that, you know, if you want to go to heaven, raise your hand. You know, you've probably done one of those and you bow your head, raise your hand, which is not a bad thing. It's, we need to have people sign up to be followers of Jesus, but I'm not sure that was the best way to do it. Because is it about going to heaven? Is it about this evacuation plan 
that we all just need to uh, say a prayer and be on our way to heaven and just kind of forget about this world? Because I think what Jesus was talking about was bringing heaven into this world. Yes, it's a place that you're going to go, but what are you going to do between now and then? What kind of world are you going to make? And I think we're going to be greatly disappointed uh, if we're living that way. We get to, to heaven and Jesus says, well, you totally missed the point. I'm glad you're here, but you did nothing while you were there. And so what will you do? What kind of change will you bring in the world? As we hear these words that Jesus has given us, the kingdom of heaven is worth it all. What about for you? What does that look like for you as an individual? In what ways are you giving it all up to be involved in God's work in this world? In terms of your time, in terms of your gifts that God has given you, in terms of your your finances, in terms of your friendships and the leverage of your relationships with other people, in what ways are you involved in the kingdom? And then in what ways are we as a church to be involved? We do have four missional teams. Uh, The uh, Highland Center Ministries team, which involves the Highland Blessing Dinner and and uh, a bunch of others. The same thing, uh, we, we have other teams as well. The, uh, the team that relates to visions of hope and provides them with hope and uh, gives them the ability to, uh, to interact spiritually and, and uh, physically and do some other things. Uh, we also have uh, the, the team that relates to what used to be the Lighthouse, but uh, educational opportunities and after-school programming and things like that for kids. Uh, we have focused most recently on Step Forward, but we, we want to continue to look at ways that we can interact with the children who are at risk in this neighborhood to help them learn to read, to help them uh, get on to the next grade, and to be able to develop as they need to develop. Uh, we, we also have uh, a team that relates to the veterans. And part of the vision of this church is that all of us would recognize that we have at least one of those areas to serve in. There's at least one thing we can do that's never a small thing, but something that is like a mustard seed that is sown into a field and yet grows so great that it provides good and shade for the world. Let's pray.